Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all back again. Oh, Ethan, thank you so much for... It's empty. That was, a, that was a bit too aggressive. Forgive me. Wow. Wow. I feel bad now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, real quick, real quick. I'm very curious. Does anybody remember what we talked about last week? Because I already forgot. Can anyone help me out here real quick? Boys, do any of you guys remember what we talked about last week? Let's say it louder. Jonah. What about Jonah? Hey, it's good. You got far, farther than anyone else did. And so last week, we talked about oh, the prophet Jonah. Personally, he's my least favorite prophet. You guys are about to find out why. And see, Jonah was, was called to prophesy to a city called Nineveh. And see, God called oh, Jonah to prophesy to Nineveh because God loved the people of Nineveh. See, we know that God is a God of love. And see, when we think of love in our, te- our culture, we have a tendency to think of love the same way that our culture would think about it. In our world, we constantly hear sayings like, love is love is love is love. We are also taught that in order to love somebody, we have to approve their lifestyle and of their actions, no matter what that entails. Seeing that if that's like a harmful lifestyle or something that will affect them um, deeply in ways that it shouldn't, we are told that we are supposed to accept that and, and choose to love them in that way. Hey, but that's not what love actually is. If you go on the news, we constantly see people bickering and fighting over things that don't really matter. If you guys spend just one minute on Instagram or TikTok, you'll constantly see people who are hurting and in pain because they did not know God and therefore they did not know love. As love is not just an idea or emotion that we feel. Love, true love involves action. And true love does not give up easily. It does not let you go. Love moves in difficult times and difficult circumstances. Love, no matter what, will always communicate truth. And sometimes that truth can be a tough truth. It can be tough love. And sometimes God's love moves him to discipline us, just as he disciplined Jonah. He does it so that we may be molded and shaped into the creation and the image that he intended us to be, an image that's ultimately a reflection of him and who he is. And because of this, God has called us to love and engage the world in the very same way that Jesus did. God has called us to love, pray, share, and care for people. Last week we saw that Jonah, he was called to preach a specific message to people of Nineveh. We also learned that Jonah he was very opposed to preaching his message, and he had, also, he had a pretty good reason why. In the flesh, I understand why he would not want to go share their message of repentance to people of Nineveh. And so when he got this call, he literally decided to go as far as possible away hey, from God to escape this. And see, hey, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And if you guys, if you guys know world history, I see, where's Luke? I just saw Luke in here a second ago. Well, he already left. Ow, my feelings. And so, if you know your real history, the Assyrians, they are evil, wicked people. Oh, Luke, why didn't you say anything? Wow. That still hurts a lot, though. I still love you, just like how God loves you. But we found that the Assyrians were torturers, they're murderers. They took people captive and separated them, and they're also blasphemers to God. So a God called Jonah... Jonah also, in our eyes, did a reasonable thing. He ran 2,500 miles in the opposite direction just to try to escape God. Jonah was bitter and angry at God for calling him to do this mission. Why would God be willing to allow the Ninevites a chance to fall after him? The Ninevites, they weren't even God's people. They weren't even promised as God. And if you guys have ever seen someone in your life who you don't necessarily get along with and honestly you want to see them fail, you were just, just like Jonah back then. And I think a lot of us ask the question, how can people so cruel get close to God? 
And so today we're going to look at how God deals with us patiently as we struggle with this. And also as we struggle with the call to share the gospel. See, if God's love has not given up on us, then we can't give up on other people. Also, but that also entails discipline. <coughs> oh, sorry, I meant to mute that. I said, see, we need to be called, we need to be molded to develop a heart of grace. See, you know, when we run, God in his heart of grace and his loving discipline still chases after us. He still follows us. And we look to Jonah 1, verses 4 through 5, we see God's active pursuit of Jonah himself. It's not in the way that you would normally expect it. Jonah 1, verse 4, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to line it for them. But Jonah had gone down to an air part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. See, love does not let go easily, and God is love. 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is, is literally the pure definition of love. It was, for, for, it was God's love for Nineveh that moved him to call Jonah to share his message of repentance. It was God's love for or Jonah that he invited him to come along with this. You see, in God's eyes, no one is a throwaway. No one is the exception. No one is cast out. Everyone is welcome in, into God's presence. And because true love always desires to include and not exclude. And the thing that I find super fascinating about God wanting to reach the Ninevites it's that they weren't even God's people. Way back in, in Genesis, as God promised Abraham that Abraham and his descendants would be God's people and that God would be with them. So God's going out of his way, out of what he is required to do to love a people group. And that's, that's the same way that Jesus carried out his ministry. That's the same way that Jesus has carried out sharing the gospel. So let's take a look again at what the gospel message is. See, last week you saw an acrostic, the G-O-S-P-E-L acrostic, to show what the gospel is. Of course, this isn't the only way to explain the gospel, but it's an amazing way. And so first, G, God created us to be with them. If you guys go oh, back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, when God created a man and woman, he created us to be a reflection of him. He created us in his image. In the very beginning, God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. But of course, then sin, Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they created a separation between us and God. And then S, sins. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Ephesians 2 tells us that no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we think we are, we cannot build our way towards God. I think a lot of times in our culture, a lot of people in our culture think that there's some ladder you have to climb to get to God. But see, God already climbed down the ladder for us because we cannot go up there. And then P, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. And Romans 10, 9, 10 tells us that if we profess our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that he is resurrected, and that we will be saved. Then E, everyone who trusts in him alone also has eternal life. Then L, for life. Life of Jesus starts now and lasts forever. And if I could boil all that down real, real quickly into one verse, it will be John three sixteen, which hopefully a lot of you guys have already memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, and whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the hope-filled, life-giving message that God has called all of us as a share of others. Within this message, we see that God still pursues us, even when we feel like we're far away from him. And just like how God tried to pursue Jonah and, uh, and Jonah tried to flee from God, God did not get, give up on him. And see, Jonah tried to uh, move 2,500 miles away from God. He tried to go to a city called Tarshish, which we believe is in western Spain, or modern-day western Spain. 
And one thing we kind of forget when we through that passage is that back then, they had no clue that North America and South America existed. So Jonah literally went to the ends of the earth. They were trying to fall off the world to try and escape God. But just like of us, God kept pursuing him. We can't outrun God. Even though we feel distant and far away from God, he's still reaching out for us. All I got to do is grab his hand and pull us back up. Even though we're dead and stuck in our sin, Jesus took it upon himself to pay the price for our sin. He made a way for us to be reconciled with God. And with Jonah, God not, like with Jonah, God did not wait for him to get better or perfect first. As no one can be perfect, no one can be complete apart from God. Uh, Jesus does not wait for us to become sinless or perfect, as we can't do either of those things. In Romans 5, 8, the Apostle Paul tells us, But God shows his love for us, and while we're, that we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And as with Jonah, even when we are struggling, even though when we are in clear defiance of God and we are in rebellion, God still decides to speak to us, to nudge us in the right direction, and to also pull us up sometimes so that we can be reminded of our true calling and our true identity in him. And one way that God still reaches is for us while we are sinning and far from him is through storms. Just like how God sent a storm to Jonah while he was on the boat to Tarshish, God allows our sin storms to us so that we may see how much we need him, how much we need to rely on him. And most of the time, these aren't usually literal storms, but instead are trials or difficult times that we must endure. And some storms can seem seemingly strange or random, and, it, and also some storms are not even direct consequences of our actions. A lot of storms are just what happens when you live in a sinful, fallen world. But other storms can be the consequences of our own wrongdoing and our own sinful decisions. That's the way that God has ordained things and set things up. When we run from him, and when we run from his calling, storms just start, to, start coming over the horizon. And these storms that we create come from things like when we cheat in school, we form a new addiction and for something that we thought was small at first, or we compromise sexually and experience emotional and physical consequences that follow. Has anyone here ever woken up from a storm in the middle of the night? There's a loud noise, a crash of thunder. I think everybody has. If you're a toddler you, at one point, which all of you guys were, you definitely have. I remember a few years ago, right before I moved out of my parents' house, that was my room back in my house. It's kind of like this, but a lot smaller because it was just one room. So I basically just lived in a triangle in my attic. So anytime a, st- a storm would come through, I'll hear it. And I got to the point where I could start seeing through the storms because I got used to it. But in my room, by my bed, I had this big window uh, that over the years started to rot away. It let in cold air, it let in bugs. But I didn't do anything about it because I never really cared too much. But one night, a hurricane came through, and I was sleeping in bed, and the window finally broke, and the, the, the wood from the, from the window pane popped out, and a jet full of water came and hit me in the face and got my whole bed soaked. And so I woke up, got a towel, put a towel out where, where the wood was, and I took another towel, wiped off my head, and went right back to sleep. And it was disgusting. I did not sleep well that night. But I was too tired to do anything about it. But see, that's the exact opposite of how a normal person is supposed to react to a storm or getting drenched. See, because God sends storms in our lives so that we may wake up and realize what we are in. We may wake, so we may wake up and see what's wrong in our lives and how much we need him instead. And see, God is more concerned over your holiness than he is your happiness. Let me say that again. God is more concerned over your holiness than your happiness. See, God, I'd rather you be falling after him than have you have what you want. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Because if we're all being truly honest, we'd much rather be happy than holy. 
It's our sinful nature. Our sinful nature wants that. But when we pursue holiness, when we can present ourselves to, us to God uh, as, as complete and following after him, we can find something that's much better than happiness, and that is joy in the Lord. And see, joy and happiness are two terms that we almost use interchangeably, but they're very different things in my opinion. Happiness can be fleeting, meaning that happiness is based off our current situation and how we feel. But joy is something much greater. It's something much better. Joy can be found during our times of trials and chaos. When we experience hardship and heartbreak, happiness acts just like Jonah and decides to run away. But when we have joy in the Lord, joy becomes like the Lord and will stay during the trials. When we have this joy, the storms become much more bearable and will bear us as a reminder of what we're called to be and what we need to be. As we are called to be in God's will, and being in God's will is following the calling that he's put on your lives. The storms that God sends or allows are reminders of our calling. For Jonah, he was called to be a prophet of God, with God's loving heart for people who are far from him. And for us today, as messengers of the gospel, children of God, we are given the ministry of reconciliation. But what the heck does that even mean? Well, here's how Paul describes it. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God has reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and so God we're making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, when we all sin, and Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we put a separation between us and God, and we told God, hey, you know you created me, I'm now your enemy. And so when the Bible says ministry of reconciliation, that's God coming down to us, so you know why we're yet God's enemy? He pulls us up, welcomes us into his arms, and loves us. And he reconciles with us. And that's the ministry that we are called to share with people. So, that, so how we need storms to respond? Uh, storms are used so we may understand that we need to reconcile with God. And see, I don't want you guys to, to base your life off the storm you're going through. As I want you guys to change your perspective and see storms as an opportunity for you guys to grow. See, God can do amazing things in your life. Because storms are a way for God to discipline us. And the Bible tells us that the Lord's discipline is a good thing. And Psalm 23 tells us that the Lord is my shepherd, or that we actually delight as rod and staff. And that's one of those verses you guys kind of see in like a Hobby Lobby poster or wherever. But see, the psalmist David t- tells us that the rod and staff are his delight. And see, a rod and staff for a shepherd were things that he used to use to discipline a sheep. If a sheep went to go wander astray from the flock, what a shepherd would do is he would take his shepherd's staff or a stick and break the sheep's legs, pick up the sheep, pull on his back, and carry him with the flock. The Lord's discipline is a good thing because if the sheep's not part of the flock, the sheep will die and perish. And <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 7 through 8, it tells us, Endure hardship as discipline. God's training you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. If you don't endure the Lord's discipline, the frank truth is you might not be a child of the Lord. You might not be with the Lord. You might be far away from him. And know the secret. No matter how hard the storm is or how difficult the trial is, no matter how difficult it is, whether it's created by our own sin or being part of a fallen world, we should still treat it as discipline or as an opportunity to grow. And that's how God views it. He has a plan to grow you through that hardship. No one is more committed to your well-being in, in every way than God is.
That's why we can trust ourselves to him, no matter how difficult the trial or storm is, and no matter how he got there. And Hebrews 12, 5 or 6 says, and, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Discipline can very easily cause us to lose heart, because obviously discipline is painful. Again, just like, like Psalms tells us, it's painful to have your, your legs broken, even if it's just metaphorically. And one thing that I love that Paul says, he says, don't lose heart. Because the one who is disciplining us loves us perfectly. And his discipline always has a good purpose and plan behind it. And one thing that's important to understand is that life is not determined by the circumstances that we are in. As we're all being honest, a lot of you guys here have gone through some terrible stuff. I don't know everybody's stories, but I know some of you guys have gone through things that I can't even imagine. Things that only by the grace of God we're still here. And see, life isn't determined by the circumstances. Instead, it's determined by how we respond to that. If we go back to Jonah, we see in Jonah 1, verse 5, that Jonah did the opposite of what he was called to do. Verse 5, And the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that his ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. But Jonah had on below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. Jonah had let his circumstances determine what his life was like. He tried to escape it. He tried to go to sleep. He tried to just brush it off. Instead of just listening to God's calling, listening to God's discipline. And unlike God, Jonah had disengaged while people were perishing. The storm was so bad that the ship was breaking apart. And of course, it was all in God's hands, but all the sailors thought they were about to die. Jonah had lost his burden for the lost. But we do the same thing sometimes. We get so caught up on all these other things that ultimately don't really matter. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that the days are vain, that riches are vain. But we get so caught up in that, that so quickly. We become quickly disengaged at the mission that Christ gave us in Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. When we stray away from our mission that Christ has commanded us, we actually present to God an act of rebellion against him. And running away from our, our purpose and being in constant rebellion is exhausting. When you're always trying to run and hide away from what we're supposed to do, when we constantly push God away, we still become numb to the love and grace that God's given us. We still become bitter and miserable. And when you feel this, our natural response like Jonah is to lie down and ignore his efforts of him reaching out to us. So what happened because of Jonah's disobedience? The people in the boat of Jonah had to suffer longer without knowing that God loved them. The people of Nineveh had to go on longer not knowing that what they're doing is wrong. And Jonah himself remained miser- miserable and beaten down. And the same thing happens to us when it goes against God. When we disengage when people are perishing, we go to the bottom of the boat in our lives in self-pity and ignore what God's trying to do, and I try to reach the losses of the world. A burden for the lost gets replaced with a burden to be set free by our own sin and our own desires. And we try to get free from our own consequences, by our own means, instead of turning towards God. And that's exactly what Jonah's experiencing. Instead of receiving God's discipline and just going to Nineveh, he simply tried to ignore the storm. But that didn't work for Jonah, and it won't work for us either. So instead of pushing away from God and order to call our lives and those who are perishing around us, we need to see the world in the eyes and the heart of Jesus. Because Jesus is better than Jonah. When we see in the world of Jesus' heart and eyes, we'll be moved with compassion and we'll respond to God's call to go and make disciples. We see that Jonah had his compassion, I mean, Jesus had his compassion in Matthew 9, 35, 36. 
from story five, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they're harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And one thing that I find super incredible about the, the, the Gospels, about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is a lot of the content in there is just talking about people and how, how difficult their lives were. People in all these difficult circumstances, whether they're possessed by demons, whether they're sick, whether they're injured. God allowed that to happen so that Christ may be glorified, so that Christ may, be, may heal them, and so they may also pray in the gospel. He's doing the same thing as in our lives, but just in different ways. You see, God's heart is a heart full of compassion. He feels what we feel. He hurts when we hurt. He cries when we, when we cry. But he also rejoices when we rejoice. Because that compassionate heart joins what others are, are experiencing. And that's what Jesus did with us. Jesus did not have to become human. And he chose to be human. And so that he may better, better understand us. And so that he may become the perfect sacrifice so that he can help heal us and reconcile us to God. And he experienced humanity in every way that, that we do. Jesus experienced temptation. Jesus has experienced as harassment and persecution. Mark 14, Jesus was betrayed by almost all of his friends. Jesus was given up to the government so that they may, may persecute him. Jesus was supposed to be in the Messiah for the Jews. The very people who he came for decided to crucify him. Jesus feels what we feel. He still has a heart for us. He still has a heart of compassion for us. On the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the same heart that Jesus has is poured out through the Holy Spirit. I show in Romans 5, 5, regardless of how we feel. Whether we feel compassion or not, we have the ability to show love to other people. What is God's solution to all the hurt in the world? Let's go, to, uh, let's go back to Matthew 9, 37, 38. Verse 35. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God's answer, God's answer for the losses in the world is us. We are the workers. God's love engages. So as we spend time with God, we become more like him and engage the world as he does. I, I want you guys to ask God to give you guys the same compassion that Christ had. And that he'll give you a heart to serve other people. Well, I know we don't have too many high scores in here, but a few that are, if you're going to a mission trip, pray that God gives you a heart of compassion for people who are going to serve down there. Pray that he teaches you how to love people and to serve people better this week. And I promise you, if you do that, God's going to awaken something in you that you didn't have before. And it'll be beautiful and it'll be glorious. And I ask you to pray something like this as well. If you are going on a mission trip this week, to say, Jesus, I know that through your Holy Spirit, you've given me your heart. But now I ask you to give me your eyes. Give me the eyes to see people the way that you do. Let me allow your compassion to move me to pray for others, to care for them, to share the gospel with them. And to sum up, God's a father that won't leave us alone. We're going the wrong way. Because he loves us too much. He can't let us go. Jesus' compassion and love is a powerful example of the Father's heart for the harassed and for the helpless. And love for the lost. We can also pray for him to give us a, a, the courage to, have him use to as, let him use us as harvesters in the field that he has put us in. So guys, don't, let, don't take this message lightly. Don't become like Jonah and become numb to what's going on around you. But we dig in, stay in God's word, bring in prayer for other people. And one thing I want to challenge you, as you guys with, if when you guys do pray, 
don't always pray for yourself. Of course, pray for yourself, but I want you guys to keep track of how many times you pray for yourself versus others. Because that will truly show where your heart is. So guys, don't be like Jonah. Because Jesus is much better than Jonah. Let's pray. God, thank you for today, Lord. God, thank you for everyone that came out here, Lord God. God, I know we're all tired. Lord, I know we're not all awake yet. But God, put in us a burden for the lost. God, give us a heart full of compassion. Lord, awaken something in that we have not seen before, Lord God. God, help us to show the grace and mercy and love to people in our community and people wherever we go that you have for them, Lord. God, help us to be a shining light into our world so that people may see you and know how much that you love them, Lord God. God, thank you for this day, Lord. You have blessed us so much.